Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands, ShipStation lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation, and 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. Spooky. I'm Johnny. And I'm Tyler. And this is a weekly podcast that's here for freaking love, okay? Yeah, we're here for freaking love. Yeah, like, I don't need you to be here to try to get famous on reality TV. I need you here for me and here for love, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and if you have not been binging Daisy of Love on Amazon Prime like we have, may I recommend something for your holiday vacation? Absolutely. I mean, it was on TV about, what, 10 years ago? But better late than never. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and even though it's a VH1 reality dating show, from the early 2000s and it's, you know, filled with a lot of problematic shit. Uh-huh. It's a good time. It is a good time. It's entertaining and what more do you want from a trashy reality TV show? Yeah, and chances are if you're listening to this podcast you like entertaining trash, so maybe you should give Daisy of Love a chance. Maybe you should. Yeah, be here for love. <laughs> yes. Freaking love. By the way, speaking of being here for love, actually I'm going to backtrack on that. That's a horrible segue uh-huh. regardless. <laughs> I just want to make a point. Okay. We watched Christmas Evil this past week. <laughs> yes, we did. And it was bullshit? It was was good bullshit. It was good bullshit. It was weird. Yeah. It was an editing um, disaster. Mm -hmm. And uh, the ending will have you completely puzzled and totally totally confused. Yeah, no, which is kind of the recipe for a good time in some households. Uh So anyway, the thing is, we watched this on The Secret Society That Doesn't Suck on our movie night this past month. Join if you want to be in on that. That's not the point. But this was a movie that John Waters said was, what, extremely rewatchable? I think, yeah, just, like, highly rewatchable. Yeah, and I mean, it 
is watchable. I'll give it that. I don't mm-hmm. know if I can say rewatchable just yet. But if you are looking for something to watch over the next few days during this holiday season, while things are slow and there's not much good on TV, get into Christmas Evil. You can find it on YouTube. Yes, you can. Mm-hmm. And Patricia Richardson, who plays Jill Taylor in Home Improvement, is in it. Yeah. In, like what, 1980? It was 1980, and she's in like a scene and a half. She's a complete unknown, and she uh-huh. slaps a child. She slaps a child, and she tells the child that he is not going to play Mahjong. Well, yeah, because she's mm-hmm. going to her Mahjong night. It's just a whole moment. Uh-huh, it is a moment. It doesn't actually serve anything else in the narrative, really. No. But at the end of the day, she got a role. She did. She got that paycheck. Maybe. We don't know that she did. Okay, well, yeah, before we get into uh, advocating for Patricia Richardson's fair pay, maybe we should just digress and get into spooky gay bullshit. Let's do it. Okay, well... Now that we're here, we just need to address an elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that, yeah, this is being released on Christmas, hi, hello, holidays, whatever. This, you could be listening to this after Christmas. It doesn't matter. This uh-huh. isn't a holiday-themed episode. No. That's not what we're here for. We've been getting messages for the last week about this documentary on Netflix. Yes, we have. Don't fuck with cats. Uh-huh. Yeah, so we watched it. We did. Mm-hmm. And we were aware of the case before. Yes, we were. Yeah, very aware. Yeah, in a very real way. Because we just so happened to have been moving to Montreal when Jin Lin's body was discovered. Yeah. And the body parts were being discovered around the country. Uh-huh. And Luca Magnato was still on the run. So let's just say our parents were pretty concerned and we were really being careful about what neighborhood we were looking for apartments in. I remember yeah. completely discounting De Carey altogether. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, it was a real moment in time. Yeah. But yeah, we watched it. We had a lot of people reach out and just ask if we had heard about it before we had heard about the documentary and they wanted to hear our thoughts so we thought that we would just take a few minutes talk about the documentary get out our thoughts and feelings on it and luca magnata if we have time and then just see where we land Uh uh-huh sounds good sounds good what do you think well i thought the documentary as a whole was pretty well done it was interesting how they sort of split it up into these sort of vignettes of how this case progressed and how things escalated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really interesting how they kind of came in through the entry point of the animal abuse and then mm-hmm. built the profile from there, showed it like kind of escalating into murder and then kind of going into the character study because there is another documentary that was kind of circulating on YouTube after the murder happened. You can still probably find it out there illegally. It's probably just called like Luca Magnata documentary or something like that. It was produced by a Canadian media company. Yeah, I think it was on W. Five or the fifth estate. One of the fives, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> and that one actually just kind of starts out with the character study and builds from there. And with that being said, there is some stuff that was left out of the Netflix documentary that I was kind of surprised by. Like, there was a whole thing about how he lived with a woman for a number of years in a little bit of a friend-slash-caregiver role and then ended up taking a lot of money from her and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They really kind of glazed over his porn career as well. Like, he oh, did a yeah. lot of videos. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the whole thing. Like, he also had, like, a ton of online profiles that he had created that, you know, he was creating all this buzz about himself with. And they kind of touched about it on the documentary, but I feel like, you know, they were dealing with some other stuff, and they kind of had other points that they were leading with, which was interesting. Like, it was cool to see it from that standpoint. But, yeah, yeah, it was a good documentary all in all. Like, we're really glad that everybody made us aware of this because we hadn't checked Netflix in a few days at that point. Yeah, we didn't really know what was happening. And, again, as we said, we knew about the 
the Big Nada case because it was huge, huge news in Canada when everything was going down. But I did not know the one thing that I thought was most interesting that I did not know about was this Manny angle oh, where yeah. Magnata kind of made up this personality or this person that he was like telling everybody, including his mother, that this man was controlling him and making him do all of these terrible things. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear about that whole side of things because I had never heard about that in any of the news coverage that we were following at the time. Because really, like Tyler and I remember when this happened, like when the video came out, it uh-huh. was getting passed around. And then when, you know, everything was discovered and they were tracking him down and ultimately caught him. Yeah. But there was some other stuff in there that I just wasn't following. Like, I guess I just kind of lost track of the case after it happened. And they really did a good job building this, like, narcissistic profile of Magnata 2 with all of these pop culture references and pulling things from Basic Instincts, mm-hmm. Marlene Dietrich, all of it, you know, just to, to further push that narrative that this guy was just fame-hungry, would do anything he could to get famous. And the ironic thing is this documentary is kind of just, like, reigniting the fire, right? Totally. Well, and don't they go real community theater in the last two (laughs) minutes of this documentary? Yeah. This is my one big criticism about this thing. Like, I thoroughly enjoyed, you know, the whole thing. You know, from a programming standpoint, I don't love watching the fucking kitten torture videos or anything. Like, I actually had to cover my eyes for that shit. Like, all the shit. Yeah, Yeah, no, and I mean, that's the point, I guess. But yeah, no, there were just some parts of it that were a lot. But ultimately, you know, in those last two minutes that looking out into the camera and going, well, maybe we're all adding to the mythology and maybe this documentary is exactly what he wanted. (laughs) Like I was waiting for like the jazz drums to start up in the background Uh and the lights to dim down to a pin spot and a cigarette to be lit, handed to her on a top hat to float down out of frame. Right. Like what? A choice. Yeah, it was a choice. Mm-hmm. And you know that that was not, like, self-directed. <laughs> totally. Maybe, I mean, maybe it was. She had to turn to camera, Tyler. That yeah. was not self-directed. You're right. Unless she got real savvy by the end of the shoot, and she was like, you uh-huh. know what? I'm running shit. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I found it interesting. Also, I really enjoyed learning more about the people that, you know, did the snooping, because we had always heard about these animal activists mm-hmm. kind of as the afterthought in the whole narrative. So yeah. it was nice to put that at the forefront. I will say I find it I guess ironic maybe is the right word. I just don't want to be like Alanis Morissette and get made fun of for using irony in the wrong terms. Uh But it's 11 o'clock at night and it's Christmas Eve. So I don't give a fuck. No. But it is kind of funny how like there's a big side of this where it's like, oh, this guy was creating like a mythology for himself and using all these fake profiles online when all of the people hunting for him were using fake profiles Uh with fake pictures and we're just straight up like yeah i've got this other facebook account that i just you know live my fantasies through online and catfish people with essentially right like altruistic catfishing but catfishing just the same yeah so i thought that was kind of funny maybe that's why they didn't fully dive into the whole like internet psychopath side of things right they didn't want to lean too heavy into it yeah like all the fake profile stuff because they definitely showed us the internet psychopath side of things anyway i want to move on from Uh that yeah it was uh it was a good documentary 
documentary. I'm glad that we watched it. Thank you to all of the spooky bitches who reached out and let us know about this. Mm-hmm. Please continue to do so in the future. I love to know what's good on Netflix. Yeah, we love a good recommendation. Mm-hmm. Always and forever. Yeah, just a little bedtime story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so with that being said, uh, do you want to talk about Oopsie Poopsies for a moment? Yeah. Do you have anything to come clean on this week? I do, I do, I do. Okay. So in last week's episode when I was talking about the cage, at the end I said that I thought it was sold. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody confirmed with us that it is actually still on the market, honey. Oh, yeah. So if you're looking for that dream home, if you're looking for that summer retreat, y'all can still go get it. Mm-hmm. And do you know who that person was? Because I remember we got this message. Yeah. It was Alexandria Duxworth, who was one of my references in my story last week, who one of you spooky bitches, whose username I can't remember and can't find right now because my phone is on the other side of the room. You connected us with them being like, hey, that spooky reference referenced your article in their show and wouldn't you know now we're connected yeah this is how the world works today people right that is a beautiful thing uh-huh. yeah. it's a global community yeah so thank you alexandria for letting us know that tea god yes. you were just providing week after week it seems seems so are we gonna have to start sending her checks maybe okay well <laughs> can we get a check before we start giving other people checks <laughs> i mean okay. true tea. yeah all tea all shade all right so with that being said i don't have any oopsie poopsies oh because so, you're perfect yeah you're beautiful yeah you know what for once Mm -hmm. you have an oopsie poopsie and i don't life's not fair it's true yeah truly so you know what's also not fair Mm -hmm. the fact that you have to wait through one whole fucking story to get my story because bitch you're going first well bitch don't be too sad because my story this week is a good one really and Uh just to clarify we called each other bish not bitch because we didn't want to be rude Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good Good. Good catch there. Yeah. Well, we didn't mean it in a positive context. We meant it in a negative context. It's not like we're calling each other spooky bitches. That's empowering. It's true. Yeah. No, I was trying to cut you down. Right. Yeah. Anyway, you got a good topic? Yeah, I do. This week, I'm going to be talking about Kuchisikana. Really? Uh-huh. I don't know her. You don't know her? Well, you may know her as the slit-mouthed woman. Oh, the Japanese urban legend. You got it. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, I know her. You know her. Mm. Well, let's get to know her better. Okay. I could always use a new friend. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Urban Outfitters, Sephora, and Nike. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or a check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. This episode is brought to you in part by June's Journey. Picture it, the glamour of the roaring 20s, Wrapped in a mystery that only you can solve. Dive into June Parker's captivating quest to uncover scandalous family secrets. With your keen eye for detail, find hidden clues and solve mind-boggling puzzles. It's all about observation, intrigue, and drama. But beware. Each clue leads deeper into a thrilling storyline filled with danger and romance. June needs your help, detective. 
Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Your adventure awaits. So one night, not so long ago, a businessman named Taro was flushed with sake and success. Hey. hey! Having closed a deal that ensured money for his company and promotion for himself, he went out to celebrate. And in celebration, he had been drinking with his co-workers and had more than his usual share. Now... In the bar, there was also a woman sitting alone. She was elegant and beautiful with captivating eyes and glimmering black hair. Mm-hmm. Not unusual for the season, she wore a surgical mask that covered her lower face as a protection from various pollens and pollutions that tainted the air. Yeah, get it. That's mm-hmm. smart. Now, Taro, feeling braver than usual, sat next to the woman and talked away at her, buying her a drink, which she never touched, and boasting of his success and promising future. She answered demurely, but interested, and he suggested that they move to a more private bar that he knew not so far away. She nodded, and with a wink to his co-workers, the two moved out into the street. Okay, but, like, sorry that she didn't drink your drink. Maybe you didn't get her a drink with a straw in it. She's wearing a mask. Maybe she wanted something to tuck up underneath of it. Maybe she doesn't want to be breathing in the dirty bar air. And maybe she didn't want to drink your drink because maybe she doesn't trust you. Sir. Regardless, Tara was quick to hurry her to a nearby darkened alley. That's not a bar. (laughs) Not a bar. Where he pulled her close and stared into her enchanting eyes. Am I beautiful? The woman asked in a quivering voice, muffled behind the surgical mask. Very beautiful, he replied, moving his face closer. Am I beautiful, she repeated, reaching behind her head to undo the barrier between their mouths. Most beautiful, he said again, anticipating the kiss Mm -hmm. that was his. He's like, that tongue, though. Mm -hmm. Now the mask slipped away from her face and Taro froze, unable even to scream. The woman's mouth spread from one ear to the other, consuming her lower face. Mm -hmm. From the nose down, it was split, with two flaps of skin spreading to show her rows of sharp, pointed, teeth. Her hinged jaw opened impossibly wide, and her mouth somehow managed to form the words again, am I beautiful? After that, Taro, age 30, was never heard from again. Ooh. Have you ever played Mortal Kombat? (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like Melina, right? A little bit. Yeah, Trey Melina. Mm -hmm. A little bit Melina, a little bit it. A little bit of both. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this legend, this legend of Kushisake Ono came around in 1978 and was part of the public conscience by 1979. Mm -hmm. Now, Kushisake Ono, which literally means slit-mouthed woman is the urban legend of a Japanese onyo. Well, that name doesn't leave a lot to the imagination. It really doesn't. Now, in Japanese traditional beliefs and literature, an onyo, which I think I'm pronouncing correctly, it's spelled O-N-R-Y-O, which literally means a vengeful spirit, refers to a ghost believed to be capable of causing harm in the world of the living. That's the kind of ghost I want to be. Right. Yeah. One that can kill people. Exactly. No, I just want to be able to fuck with people a little bit, like bat them upside the head. You oh, know? okay, Just yeah. when they're not acting right. Right, Because <laughs> yeah. I'll be watching. Yeah, you want to have a switch and just, like, flick their ankles. No, I don't want to have a switch. I want to be able to use my hand. I want to oh. be able to feel my... <laughs> ghost skin on their right. dumb ass. Right, yeah. because, you know, you just need to chase a feeling when you're just eternally dead. Yeah, because I will not hit people in life. That is not my game. I'm not that kind of girl. But in the afterlife. But in the afterlife, all bets are off. Uh-huh. All gloves are off. All new beginnings. 
I'm all for new beginnings, honestly. Now, this story, which is an urban legend, really picked up steam, as I said, in 1979, when rumors began to spread of sightings of the split-mouthed woman hunting children. Ooh. Now, people actually became so scared that the police increased their patrols, and oftentimes teachers actually had to walk their students home in groups because everybody was so terrified of the split-mouthed woman. Yeah, and that's weird because also there's like a bit of an undertone with that. Like, okay, kids, if you're listening, A, you're brave. B, Uh if an adult ever walks up to you and asks you if you think they're pretty... You have every right to kick them wherever possible. Just hit them at a long range and start screaming. Exactly. Yeah. Just like Spy Kids. Just like Spy Kids. Exactly like Spy Kids. Yeah. I never saw that, but I know. There's, uh, yeah, there's never been a better reference. You're welcome. And so because this story started to become popular within schools and with children, many different versions of the story came around. This one that I read you was kind of the one that I was the most familiar with, but there are a lot of other similar stories about the slit-mouthed woman approaching children, but the way in which it plays out is pretty much the same. She asks if they think she's beautiful, if they say yes, she kills them, if they say no, she kills them. Regardless of what you say, you just end up dead. It's a catch-22 with the slit-mouthed woman. It really truly is. Mm -hmm. It's a trick question. Yeah, just like that pink song. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Catch-22. Yeah. (laughs) Remember that one that didn't really catch on? Yeah, exactly. DM us on some social media platform (laughs) if you do. Please do. Yeah. Now, I couldn't really find any information regarding the actual original source of the story. It's likely not known, but in 1979, the legend really started to spread, particularly amongst women and children. And it's no coincidence that the slit-faced woman resonated with both school children and women in the late 70s, because both demographics were under unique pressures. Pressures that were brought on by one thing. What do you think? Horrible men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The patriarchy. Hey. Uh-huh. And honestly, those same pressures really kind of exist today. But pulling back from the patriarchy a little bit, children were put under a lot of societal pressure to excel in school. Mm-hmm. Now, in Japan in the 1970s, with a slow economic growth, children were held to high academic standards in hopes of beating the odds. Oftentimes, this resulted in children attending cram schools, which I had never heard of. Mm -hmm. But basically, it's like school for when school's done. So you leave your regular school, and then you go to your cram school. Yeah, you know what? I think I have heard about this before, just kind of in the the morass of racism in the 90s, you know? Because I remember hearing a lot of stuff. Actually, this is kind of like why when you started talking about how rigid they were about education, my hackle started to go up. Because I remember hearing all the stuff as a kid where they're like, oh, people out in Asia, man, they're like in school all the time, and the kids wake up and they start figure skating at like four o'clock and then they go to school and then they come back and they go to school again and then they earn some money for their parents and then they go to bed for one hour and then they're in school for like 13 months a year because they added a month just for school that's kind of the way that it was always presented to me right so it's nice to kind of have that unpacked a bit yeah and that's it i mean cramp schools it's really not a thing that's unique to japan either they're all over the world Mm -hmm. in all different places i'm sure there are many here it's really just a place to go and study when your school day is done. Totally, but 
it's also kind of nice to understand the cause and effect of what was happening culturally and how that was impacting, you know, kids and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Anyway, I'll, I'll put a pin in that. Just thank you for educating my dumb ass. <laughs> You're so welcome. Thank you. So oftentimes with these cram schools, this resulted in children basically heading home near the beginning of the evening, maybe when the sun is setting mm-hmm. and when things are starting to get dark, which would just further provoke this kind of like feeling that maybe something's lurking in the shadows, maybe the slit-faced woman is watching. Uh And so perhaps this was really all just a reflection of the anxieties that the children were facing through the pressure to excel in school, and that fearing the split-faced woman was perhaps an emotional release. And maybe to their subconscious minds, the split-faced woman may have played into their fears that these children had of disappointing their parents, more specifically their mothers, who in 1979 would often be the ones monitoring their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. And so perhaps it was through their relationship with their mothers that the school children came to know of the split-faced woman. Because, according to a 2007 article by Michael Dylan Foster called The Question of the Slit-Mouthed Woman, Contemporary Legend, The Beauty Industry, and Women's Weekly Magazines in Japan, the split-faced woman was mentioned often in Women's Weekly Magazines. Oh! Mm -hmm. Now, these are the kind of magazines you would have probably found lying around in waiting rooms, in doctor's offices, in bathrooms, on kitchen tables, on coffee tables. They were everywhere, so very accessible. Totally, like Woman's World that I remember my mom getting religiously when a new issue came out. Exactly, those kinds of publications. Apparently, allegedly, the slip-mouthed woman was mentioned in these. Okay. Oh, I wish that Women's World had more ghost stories in it. <laughs> I mean, I learned a lot from Women's World, let me tell you that. Yeah, what did you learn? A lot about hair. Uh-huh. A lot about best and worst dressed celebrities. Uh-huh. A lot of good baking tips as well. Some exercise. Sure. Yeah. No, I learned about a lot of stuff, actually, from Women's World. I guess it's mostly just flashes of images. Right. But it's stuff that I've internalized. Right. I feel like most of the things that I've learned in life only come to me in flashes of images. Absolutely, you mm-hmm. know. You're just a visual thinker. Yeah, I think in 16 millimeter, basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not for hipster reasons, mm-hmm. just low quality, but still got some charm. Exactly, you know? yeah. exactly. So this provides further context to how children maybe came to know about the split-faced woman. And really, this isn't unlike the ghost that we have here in Western society, like Bloody Mary. Like, did Bloody Mary haunt your school too? Like, I feel like everybody had a moment where Bloody Mary haunted the school. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, probably at some point. I remember when everyone was playing Bloody Mary. Right. In hopes that, you know, Santa Mary would come right. and bless them <laughs> with her present of death. But, yeah. no, uh, I don't know if we ever had, like, a mass Bloody Mary haunting fear. Oh, that yeah. united us. We definitely did. Yeah. It felt like it went on forever. In reality, it was probably, like, two days. What grade was this? Two. Oh, oh. Wow. Yeah. I remember it very vividly. Damn. It rained all week, and everybody thought it was raining all week because Bloody Mary wanted to keep us trapped in the school. That's dark as fuck for grade <laughs> two. Uh-huh. I applaud you. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it was pandemonium. So I know I, I kind of liken the, the hysteria around the split-faced woman to that. Yeah, From totally. my own lived experience. Valid. But breaking down this urban legend a little more, the split-faced woman is really an analogy for, get this... Beauty standards. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, this supernatural being that presents itself as a woman roaming aimlessly with a mask covering her face seems to only have one concern. 
am I pretty? Mm-hmm. I mean, same. Right? But it's not just that. It's not just am I pretty. Am I pretty enough? Oh. Right? Damn, that's vicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the mask itself, beyond the gore it's suggested to veil, can suggest to other things that the woman is a sick and that she needs to be separated from the rest of society, if only by a thin mask, or that, too, that the woman is protecting herself from the sickness that surrounds her. So either way, it creates this, like, layer and this barrier of isolation. Mm-hmm. Well, it protects her from the sickness of beauty standards because you don't have to see the slit face that she's hiding underneath. Exactly. It's poetic. It is. It's very unpretty by TLC. Uh-huh. But yeah. it's interesting that you say that because as I was researching this story, come to find out that some women do do that, especially in Japan where it's very common to wear the masks. They cut their faces? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. No, no, I thought you were about to be like, no, some women actually just, like, slice the fuck out of their face. No, they don't. But they wear the masks because they think it makes their skin look brighter sometimes. They think it brings out their eyes. Oh, sure. I mean, it worked for Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. Right? And it worked for Valentina until she took it off. Totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah, that and the construction paper lashes. Look, maybe that's the answer. Exactly. Maybe it is. Yeah. (laughs) So, kind of in line of that, in Japan, surgical masks are worn not only to lessen the spread of germs, but also to protect yourself from pollutants and pollens, those kinds of things. It was a very much common process in 1979 in Japan, and it's still very common today. In fact, Foster, who wrote this article where a lot of these theories came from, references that in order for an oral story to reach the status of a legend like this one, it has to somehow reflect and resonate the society from which it was formed, which the split mouth woman did perfectly. Yeah, totally. Or maybe it was just a marketing ploy by 3M to sell more face masks. (laughs) It could be that, too. You never know. But as an archetype, the split-faced woman taps into the anxieties of children and the patriarchal beauty standards impressed upon women. The slit in her face that she hides in shame can metaphorically represent a vagina. Whoa! Uh Because, let's face it, people with vaginas are conditioned to feel shame in relationship to their genitals. And that's an unfortunate truth. We've even seen it play out in things like Dragula, where they wouldn't have them reference something as normal as period blood. Yeah, totally. Although, I will say, all right, Mary, just on Earth, if you watch season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race, Miss Fame comes out in that prison mini challenge Uh with bloody tampon earrings. And that made it past the standards and practices. Probably only because they didn't realize it was there. Yeah. <laughs> True enough. Because uh-huh. nobody was really watching Miss Fame that hard, I guess. Or they were just taken by her beauty that they couldn't right. look at the earrings. Yeah, yeah, they were just like fixated on the mug. They're like, it's candy corn, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, totally. Yeah, but it's true. It's the T. Furthermore, in Japan, genitals across the board are censored even to today. We see it all the time in Japanese porn. Mm. Am I? Is this weird? No, it's not weird at all because you're not going all, like, shaggy power of the woman on it. Uh Like, you're not trying to be all, like, oh, but you're just talking about the T as it is. You know, like, in a lot of small ways, in a lot of, like, microwaves and macroways, vaginas don't get the respect they deserve. They really don't. 
tea. And most, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So put that on a tote bag. Do it. Now, that's the real theoretical way of approaching this legend of the split-faced woman. And maybe it was, or maybe it wasn't intended to be a microcosm of societal pressures. Whether it was, whether it wasn't, I really do think that that helped to cement its legacy in Japanese culture because there have been movies, there have been other stories, illustrations, very, very cemented in the Japanese urban legend world. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest urban legends that they have. But at the end of the day, maybe it's just a really good ooky spooky story. Yeah. And if we entertain for a moment that maybe the split-faced woman is real, there is a way to get out of it. Uh Uh-huh. And confusion is going to be your best tactic. Oh, I'm good at this. Okay. Uh Yeah. So so picture it. Mm -hmm. Sicily. Mm -hmm. You're walking down the street and you come face to face with a split-faced woman. I'm there. You're there. She's wearing a long tan coat. She has very pretty eyes. In fact, you may say that her lashes were so long that they were illegal. (laughs) Put her away for life. Put her away for life with those illegal lashes. Oh my God. If you you have not watched that Baroness Von sketch, sketch, go out and watch it on YouTube. Uh-huh. Illegal Lashes. You can thank us later. You're and welcome. Then, but first of all, you can thank Baroness Von Sketch because they're fucking hilarious and Canadian. They are. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So, yeah, she's got beautiful eyes and the bottom half of her face is hidden behind a surgical mask. You're like, oh, hey, hey. hey. And she asks you. Am I pretty? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, am I pretty? <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the problem. That's how I would respond. Right. And it would just turn into a circle of narcissism. Right. And you'd just be trapped there forever. Yeah. Well, if you say no, you're not pretty, she'll run away, but she will find you. She will come to your bedroom at night and cut up your wigs. And by cut up your wigs, I mean kill you in your sleep. I mean, cut up your face. Cut up yeah. your face. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She turns into plastic tiara, like Ariana Grande. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and the split-faced woman's weapon of choice really varies depending on who's telling the story. Some say that she just has a big old knife. Some say that she has a Sith. But the most popular opinion is she has a big pair of fabric scissors. Oh. Yeah. You shouldn't use those on anything but fabric, though. They'll go dull. Right, you gotta ruin she them. She must sharpen them religiously. <laughs> she must. But you know what? The thing is, they always say, even just that first time, like, when you resharpen them, mm-hmm. Like, if you have touched anything that's not fabric, you're fucked. Yeah. Get out of town. You're done. You've wasted those scissors. You're throwing your money away. Rip up your diploma. You never got a BFA in fashion. Yeah, you'll never go to fashion school. No, you'll never never be Isaac Mizrahi. (laughs) Well, now that we're done shaming you for not going to fashion school, if you say no, she will run away, but she will get you. Uh If you say yes, yes, you're beautiful, then she'll remove her face mask to reveal that brutal gash that runs from ear to ear through her mouth along her face. Mm -hmm. Now, here's where it gets tricky. Okay. She will ask you again, am I pretty even with this? And if you say no, you're dead. If you say yes, you're dead. She's going to stab you. If you try to run... She will catch you and then kill you. I'm not running for anyone. <laughs> right. Or anything. Not even your own life. Girl, whatever. Mm-hmm. But here's where the confusion tactic comes in. Kay. If you say yes, you're dead. If you say no, you're dead. So what do you do? She says, am I pretty? Even like this? You respond, you're okay. 
Really? You're average. You just go like, eh, come see, yeah, come see, come sa. You're so so. Yeah. You just like take your yeah. hand and you like put it flat and you just wiggle it side to side. You're yeah. like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, you tell her that she'd be prettier if she smiled more. <laughs> you just look at her, you're like, eh, you're like a four to a six. Uh, yeah, I guess. Exactly. Like, I hate to break it yeah. to you. Yeah. 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 So if you do that, she's going to get real confused and that's going to give you enough time to escape without her finding you. Fair enough. And by the way, don't even rate the slit faced woman that's fucking tired yeah yeah like she's gonna kill you but even then like right yeah, that, this no. isn't hot or not.com not cool dude mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah if at that point you rated a slit faced woman you deserve to die you really do yeah now if you want to let her down easy and you don't want to insult her mm-hmm. legend says that you can give her a hard candy like you can throw some hard candy you can Be- throw a Werther's into her slit no <laughs> you just throw candy or you give her candy because they're her favorite oh and then she'll get distracted and you can escape she's like pretty <laughs> yeah yeah she's like, i love these candy or for some inexplicable reason you can yell pomade pomade <laughs> yeah you yell pomade at her and she will run away. <laughs> oh my god. So there's a backstory there. Really? Yeah, there's some tea that I don't know. Yeah. But rumor has it. For real? For real. I'm not even joking. What if you're one of those people that pronounces it pomade? Well, I mean, you're dead. You're dead. Yeah. Exactly. Inside and yeah. out. Yeah. 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 I love that if you just throw candy at her, she's yeah. just like, well, sorry, all bets are off. All she wants is some candy and she doesn't want yeah. no sticky hair product. No, totally. <laughs> she's like, it takes a long time to get the wrapper off. Yeah. I'm sorry. I have short nails. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So safe word, pomade. If you encounter the split face woman, that's all you got to do. And I'll tell you right now, that is absolutely what you've learned this week. Yeah. Well, and carry candy at all times. And carry candy candy. at all times. Mm -hmm. You never know when you're going to have to bribe the slit-faced woman or an old person. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's interchangeable. Or a young person, yeah. I love a hard candy. Oh, yeah. No, I love a hard candy Christmas. I mean, I prefer, like, a sour chewy, Mm -hmm. but I'll take a hard candy if that's all you got. Okay, live your life. Live your life. And speaking of that's all you got... That's all I got. That is the legend of the split-faced woman and some uh, theoretical uh, context to uh, its existence. Wow, thank you. Uh Yeah, no, so this has been two white cis men explaining feminism. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Bye. Yeah, so any more questions about women's beauty standards that we could answer here as white cis men today? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, anything? No? Okay, cool. You can can ask us the question, but we're going to interrupt you midway through asking us the question. Yeah. And just give you the answer we think you want. Totally. Yeah, I know. It's going to be like Uh a more problematic twiddle-dee and twiddle-dum. It'll be fucking beautiful. Uh Yeah, and then we'll start interrupting each other, and then we'll just both keep growing, and then suddenly we're, like, fucking, you know, in space, and it's just like a cartoon. Yes, exactly. Wow, life's hard, right? It's so hard. Yeah. Now, I do want to ask you, is Uh it officially split or slit-faced woman? Oh, Mm-hmm, because oh. I've seen it be interchangeable. Oh, I've probably interchanged it. Maybe yeah. it is interchangeable. That is something I'm going to have to look into, and that might be my oopsie-poopsie for next week. That is so elusive of her. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, like, very Mariah and Mimi, you know? Right. Damn. Yeah, it is very that. That's hot. Yeah. <laughs> or Bianca. 
Because that's, yeah. that's oh, that is real Bianca. Alter ego. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a very oh. Mariah How Bianca situation. Fucking dare I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, shout out to my sources JapanC.jp for their article, Tales of Ghostly Japan. Shout out to Yokai.com for their article on the split faced woman. And also, shout out to DarkHauntings.wordpress.com for their article. And shout out to paranorms.com for their article, Japan's Legend of the Slit-Mouthed Woman. Hey! Hey, oh, and shout out to my main source that gave me all that good academic tea, an article by Michael Dylan Foster from 2007 called The Question of the Slit-Mouthed Woman, Contemporary Legend, the Beauty Industry, and Women's Weekly Magazines in Japan. Thanks, Michael Dylan Foster. Thank you. It's a very long article. It's 28 pages. It's very dry. I think I add a little bit of spice to it, so you're welcome. Thank you. But no, it's really good work. I but truly really good work. Hey, it's, a, it's a lot of good theories man, to Man, we need more people up. in this world yeah. writing 28-page fucking reports about things. Absolutely. And Foster goes way deeper than I did, so you can get a lot more references on there. You can go on jstore.com. You can sign up for a free account. You get five free articles every month, so that could be one of them if you're bored. That's really hot. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, that flappy sound that you just heard was Fleetwood shaking his ears out after waking up from a nap. Aww. And I'm leaving it in because it was cute and because it was underneath what you were just saying. Right. Now, with that being said, thank you, Tyler. I think it's time for my story this week. I think it is. Yeah. So I've got so many things to talk about. I'm so excited. Have you ever heard of the Baldoon mystery? No. It's Canadian. Ooh. Yeah, it only happened a few hours away from where we are right now. Oh. Yeah, how dare you leave the country? <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, no, it's cool. I'm about to teach you. So get ready for this Heritage Minute, baby. Yeah. Because this week I am talking about the Baldoon mystery of 1829 to 1831. But baby, that legend lives on to today. Ooh. Get mm-hmm. ready for some good old Canadiana. Yeah, it's just like Judy Garland. All right, so what is Baldoon. How is Judy Garland Canadiana? No, she's a legend that lives on today, Tyler. Oh. And she also created the stone wall and ran the stone wall. Oh, right. And every night she, when she would shut down the bar, she would sing a number to everybody and she wouldn't even accept tips for that number. Right. And then she threw the first brick. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this has been Queer History with Johnny. There you go. Let's talk about Baldoon, honey. That's... Or balloon, as autocorrect keeps telling me it's spelled. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, Baldoon was a small Scottish settlement, ooh, alliteration, in southwestern Ontario, up here in Canada. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And it was a colonization experiment made by a guy named Lord Selkirk. Sounds like a really good time, A right? colonization experiment? Yeah. Sounds like a nightmare. It was a social experiment. He was actually making it for a YouTube video. Right. In 18-whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so basically, this whole thing, though, this whole settlement ended up becoming a really big tourist attraction in Canada in 1829 due to its paranormal reputation. Oh. And a haunting that ended up plaguing a local family for the better part of three years. So let's zoom in. John McDonald had immigrated to the settlement with his parents when he was six years old. His family was originally from Kirk Cudbrightshire. Uh, Work. K-I-R-K-C-U-D-B-R-I-G-H-T-S-H-I-R-E. 
Miss? Seems correct to me. Kirkabright, sure. Yeah, they were from there. And uh-huh. his parents were named Donald and Flora McDonald. He was the oldest child. And Donald McDonald? Yes. I love that. I know. I was hoping that I could have just gotten that in. But yeah, baby, Donald McDonald, this is the stock that he comes from. Uh-huh. Yeah. So John of Donald McDonald in 1826 at the age of 30. So like, uh, you know what? Just like, let's zoom past those first few years. They were pretty uneventful. He wasn't being haunted. We don't need to talk. Right. Johnny ended up marrying a local woman and ended up getting a farm for himself in lot A of the fourth concession in the colony. Right. Yeah. So raised in the settlement, gets married to a woman whose name I can't find because as we've established, history doesn't care about women. Sure doesn't. And they end up getting another spot in the colony. So he doesn't move out of his hometown. Right. He's, you know, just moves to the backyard, basically. It's a choice, yeah. So, the thing is, the spot that he ended up getting was actually a pretty hot piece of land. A lot of people ended up wanting it, and John McDonald, maybe because he had been there for a while and, you know, earned it in some people's eyes, or maybe just out of sheer luck, ended up getting this plot of land. Right. So, you know, good for you, baby. It's great farming territory. It's in a prime location. You're set for life. Mm-hmm. Now, once he got the plot of land, he basically immediately immediately had to start dealing with the neighbors that were trying to come for his wig. And maybe I should be a little bit more specific. There was actually an old woman in the area named Mrs. Buchanan, who time and time again tried to offer John money to buy the land. You know, was like, I can get you a really good deal. Just move off of this, you know, do your thing. I'll gladly take it off your hands. You don't want this land. Why would you ever want to live here? Right. But basically, he just turned her down every time. He kind of knew what he was sitting on, and he just kind of put his nose down and you know, kept on trucking. Right. He built a farmhouse, he built a barn, all this kind of stuff. He basically set up a completely functional, like, farm setup for himself, for him, his wife, and the family that they wanted to build together. Which they did. They ended up having three kids. All right. Yeah, so they were a little five-person family unit on the farm. I feel like that's a very modest family for 1830. I know, right? Well, you know, they had other things on their plate. Let's just say that. They didn't have time to be pushing for a 19 kids and counting storyline. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, trust me. So they were living there of mice and men fantasy, and this was all good until about fall of 1829, specifically October 28th. So some of John's family members were in the property's barn working with some women from the neighborhood. They were prepared preparing straw, which I couldn't find what that means in 1829. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming they've harvested it, they're putting it in bales and, you know, getting it ready for that. Maybe they were planting a straw garden, who knows? You know, maybe they were very forward-thinking. But regardless, they were just in there picking through the straw, maybe making wigs. Maybe they were. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would love a straw wig. Maybe they were, you know, padding. Maybe they were making some hip pads. Totally, yeah. Yeah. No, this is the narrative I'm going to go with. They Mm -hmm. were creating a drag workshop, just as a cottage business, you know? Yeah, a cottage in the barn. (laughs) Now, the thing is, they're preparing the straw. It's business as usual. All of a sudden, a pole from the ceiling comes tumbling down. Now, this is a log barn, and in the main space, there was essentially a loft that had been built by this log ceiling, which also doubled as the floor for the loft above. Uh So basically, they had this, like, giant construction which was up on pillars and consisted of, you know, a ton of logs going down the entirety of this barn. One of those comes unlodged and crashes, you know, a few feet away from the women. They're a little bit freaked out by this, Uh but, you know, of course, they're kind of able to just 
explain it away. They're like, eh, you know, barns are barns, right? Right. Barns will be barns. Barns will be barns. If we've learned anything in life, it's that barns will be barns. Exactly. But even they weren't prepared for what else was going to get thrown at them. So the women basically get back to work making their wigs and, you know, things are good for a few minutes. Uh Uh-huh. Now, a little while later, they're still doing their thing. They're trying to forget about, you know, their narrow escape from death when all of a sudden another log from the ceiling comes dislodged and crashes down to the floor a few feet away from them again. So no one's harmed again. But this is getting to be a little bit much. Like one log, freaky. Two logs, are we in a collapsing building? Right. You know, these are the questions that we're asking ourselves. Now, the women somehow, you know, they have immense amounts of fortitude because they're just able to kind of brush this off again and get back to their work. The fuck? Yeah, well, I guess they were just kind of like, well, no one's injured and this straw isn't going to turn itself into a lace front, so, you know, we got to get working. (laughs) Right. So basically, they're just not ready to put the work to rest until someone's literally dead. Yeah, well, they're like, these farm men need hip pads for when they do drag at the spring solstice. Right. Yeah, come on, guys. I mean, they've got their priorities straight. I mean, deadlines are deadlines so they get back to work Uh and this is all well and good until a third fucking log drops (laughs) and when that drops just away from them again you Uh know narrowly avoiding death all of these women are just kind of like well let's count our blessings we avoided it three times and let's get the fuck out of here because obviously something is happening yes like log me once shame on you log me twice shame on me log me three times what the fuck are we doing we're all gonna die in a barn making wigs yeah so problem is the fun didn't stop there soon after log day afternoon the family started experiencing a lot more weird shit happening around the farm the thing is this stuff wasn't just weird it was also kind of vandalicious oh yeah so the farmhouse started getting pelted with stones from time to time okay yeah like little baby stones like dennis the menace slingshot stones well rocks okay like it could break a window rock Mm, not good Mm -hmm. yeah like the kind you really got a zigzag run away from when the kids are throwing them at you on the playground. Right. You ever had a zigzag run? It was a trick I never learned. Mm. But I didn't have to run away from too many rocks, thankfully. Some of you haven't had to zigzag run from rocks, and it shows. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, this is the thing. The house is starting to get pelted with rocks. Uh Everybody's kind of like, what the fuck is this? What makes it even worse is that this goes from being like time to time to being a consistent thing. And it goes from, you know, rocks being thrown up to the side of the house to rocks systematically breaking every window in the farmhouse. Yeah, so... And windows are not easy to come across in 1830. No, and I'm sure that farmhouses in 1829 were not that well insulated to begin with. So, like, once you lose all your windows... Right. Like, that sucks. And this is wintertime. Yeah, like, this all started in October. Yeah, we're getting into it. Mm -hmm. So, this is the thing. This is a recipe for TB. So, you know what's for dinner. (laughs) Now, what made things even weirder is that all of the stones seem to be uniformly smooth and a bit wet. Now, after some time, they kind to put two and two together and we're like oh yeah well there's a river that runs right up in front of our house so maybe whoever's throwing these rocks at the house are getting them from the river right problem is when they go out to investigate who's throwing these rocks they're never able to find anyone nor are they able to find any evidence that anybody's been splish splashing around the river slash riverbed and bringing rocks up to throw at their home 
Right. So this seems real weird. And the thing is, after the first few attacks, they're pretty on guard. So, you know, like some rocks get thrown and then they're watching for it. Yeah. So, you know, when a rock goes through the window or hits the side of the house, all of those people, including whatever guests are in there at the time, are running outside to try to catch whoever's doing this. Exactly. Because this is 1829. They didn't have Netflix. They don't have to pause friends to go out and see who's throwing the rocks. They're just waiting for it to happen. Exactly. And like spanking who hooligan children is a national pastime at this point so like why would you keep them away from a good time people (laughs) yeah now the problem is though you can't spank a ghost maybe amethyst realm can maybe she has but john mcdonald can't right now like i was saying they were never able to find anyone who was serving them rock justice but i do have a quote from a neighbor of the family named william stewart which i found on a really awesome website called windsorscottish.ca which was an awesome resource for this story okay like i should just throw this straight out the gate Mm -hmm. it's like a local history website i wasn't able to find an author's name or like a date that this was created but it was kind of like a local history site that outlined a lot of different facets of the story and offered up a lot of resources to you know find out more Mm -hmm. so i've got this quote william stewart said quote at the time of this trouble i lived about three quarters of a mile from the place and was present and saw for myself many of these strange things mr alex brown with others took a number of lead balls that came in through the window marked them tied them in a bag and then dropped them into the center of the channel a cart in about 36 feet of water and in a short time the ball came back through the window Ooh. i was present when the barn was burned i'll get into that in a minute and also when a man by the name of Harmon was preaching there at this time a large stone came right through the window breaking out one of the panels and rolled in in front of the minister the stone apparently had come out of the water a search was made about the house but no person could be seen i also saw a loaf of bread move off of the table and dance around the room the owner of the house john t mcdonald i know to be a very respectful man end quote so on top of that, whatever this is, is very Oprah and loves bread. He loves bread. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't we all? Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. Relatable ghosts aside, this is pretty fucking freaky, and it doesn't seem to just be the family who was seeing this, according to legend. Right. It also happens to be these other people from the community. Right. So it wasn't their best kept secret. Nobody was necessarily giving them side eye, being like, what you trying to pull? Exactly. Because it truly takes a village to raise a sensational haunting. Yes. But delinquent ghosts weren't the only problem that the McDonald family and their farmhouse really had to deal with. It seemed that the place was falling apart at an alarming rate, which was a little bit unsettling considering how new the construction was. I mean, can we consider for a moment that maybe John McDonald just wasn't a very good carpenter? I mean, that could be the tea. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, just keep that in your pocket the whole time we're talking about this. And maybe fall apart isn't even really the right term. I guess it's almost like the house started turning on them, really. Ooh. The roof would start to leak inexplicably like it wouldn't be raining and then all of a sudden there would be rain coming in through the roof but ultimately I guess that wouldn't be that bad because they also seem to break out in fires a lot yeah so maybe the mysterious rain could have helped them in some way the Mm -hmm. thing is they would just have like random fires popping up in the top floor of the farmhouse which I mean if you want to be a cynic about it could be a pyromaniac ass child sure could who knows but ultimately this is pretty freaky So, a neighbor of the family, William Flory, actually once commented that he saw the home catch fire in 10 different places upstairs at the same time. Ooh. Yeah, like he was just out near the property, and then all of a sudden, it was like 10 individual fires 
pop. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And we're not talking electrical fires because that shit didn't even exist yet. Mm -mm. I mean, maybe it's just coincidental candle fires, but I don't know. That's pretty creepy. Although maybe it was just like one rip-roaring fire, but who are we to say? The thing is, I guess the family was like really on top of putting these out because ultimately they were able to kind of keep this going for a while. Like random fires would break out, they would deal with it, and they'd be like, oh, wasn't that weird? And just try (laughs) to move forward with their life. They just love the thrill of danger. Totally, but that is a super anxious life to lead yeah Mm -hmm. now beyond that it also seemed like the home was unlucky in earthquakes and in love yeah but at least it was in the sense that an earthquake had actually moved the home's foundation at one point and knocked down a bunch of pots in the kitchen and john had also felt it while in there with his family right the thing is when that happened you know he went to his neighbors and he was like whoa didn't you guys experience this nobody else felt it it was only them on the property now maybe this could have been something else you know like a train accident who knows maybe it could have been a bomb a tremor yeah were they bombing back then i'm crazy yeah, I don't know. They were using cannons. Don't be silly. Hee <laughs> hee. I don't Honestly, you know what? I don't really know that much about fucking weaponry and war and all that stuff. No, but I don't think they had bombs. Yeah, I just don't like guns. I just don't like guns. I mean, that's fair. They're not that great. Don't put a gun in my stocking. So this <laughs> is the thing. It's just a freaky experience whenever the bass drops in the 1800s, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, they're just not ready. So, this kind of brings me to my next point. We are in the 1800s. These people seem to be haunted, or they have some sort of connection to the paranormal. Uh So, in this situation, what is a good Christian bitch to do? Call the priests. Make that money, actually. Oh. And that is just what they did. So, yeah, girl, this is in the time of, like, living room spiritualism. Well, just before that. Yeah. But you know what? People wanted a show. I guess so. It's a bit of a plot twist, gotta say, though. Didn't no, see that coming. whatever. Monetize that YouTube channel, baby. <laughs> Don't let them watch for free. <laughs> so the thing is, word ended up getting out about the McDonald property, and people were showing up to the property anyway. So at this point, they were like, well, $5 cover, I guess, or whatever the equivalent was at that time. And soon enough, they actually ended up becoming a little bit of a tourist attraction. This is what I was talking about before. I mean... Yeah, turn that negative into a positive. 
of whatever. It was fun. And it kind of was fun for a while. People would come, they'd pay a fee, they'd see some shit, and they'd leave with a good story. Actually, if I want to keep throwing these quotes at you, a guy named H. Droolard, I wasn't able to find his first name. I'm sorry, you can write me an angry letter. But you know what? Considering how many times I don't get a woman's name in these stories or a wife's name, I can deal with a man's first initial. Uh huh. Yeah, so Mr. Droolard basically remembers going to the home in 1830 with his father. So this is kind of like a little bit into the whole extravaganza. And he was actually quoted with saying that he saw a pod rise up off of the stove and chase a dog around the yard. Ooh. Yeah, and he was saying that the crowd just watched this happen while the dog got hit by the incoming pod from time to time. Oh. Yeah, like it was just like tracking him, and that's really not cute. Not cute. Yeah, and I guess the dog would like yelp and all that, and everyone would just be like, oh, ha, ha, ha. And then H. Druland also said that he ended up seeing a butcher knife fly through a crowd of 50 onlookers before going completely into a wall. So not only did it just like catch in the wall, you know, perfectly on the point, yeah. but it completely sunk the blade in there, like so, a big-ass butcher knife. So there was some force behind it. It was powerful shit. Now, this is the thing. With great ghost power comes great ghost... Res- now, this is the thing. With great ghost power comes great ghost responsibility. Yes, Spider-Man. Or better yet, mo ghost money, mo ghost problems. <laughs> I need that on a shirt. Yeah. And I, I guess if you're not going to say it, I'm going to say, yeah, Mace. He was fun. Mace was fun. Whatever. Is that you're saying that song? Yeah, it's cool. Anyway, so essentially, this is cute for a taste, but not for a swallow. And the ghosts ended up getting a little bit too hot to trot, as in more volatile. Right. As in, it was getting unsafe to have rando patrons clomping around the grounds with these increasingly violent ghosts on the prowl. So, so get me, let me get this correct. People weren't willing to pay to go anymore or the family weren't willing to let people come on the property. The family was just kind of like, this is too much of a liability. We don't want a ghost to kill somebody on our properties. So right. Maybe we need to nip this in the bud. Right. Because like I said, they were hot to trot. Maybe they were trotting. Mm. Mm-hmm. The family was waking up in the middle of the night to what sounded like a procession of like large men just clomping down to their kitchen. I mean, that's terrifying. Yeah, that's really fucking freaky. Yeah. And I would also be getting very defensive about my food, please and thank you. Right. Like, I did not plan enough cheese slices for company. Yeah, I don't want all those ghost fingers on my fresh bun. I'm not making you grilled cheese. That's what I'm trying to say. So, what is a family to do now? You can't make your money off of it anymore. Like you were saying, you get a priest. Now you can do it. Exactly. So, the family goes to a local Methodist leader, a guy named Reverend McDorman, and they're basically like, yo, Revs, we need an exorcism. And he's like, I got you, baby. <laughs> so basically, he shows up at the farmhouse and goes full power of Christ on that house's ass. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, as things usually go in these kinds of stories, the introduction of the priest and the first exorcism did nothing but piss off whatever was haunting this family. And things only really got worse after Reverend McDormand was done with the exorcism. Very typical man coming in, thinks he's helping, he just makes it worse. Exactly. But the problem is the shitty little spirit is expressing itself in more shitty little ways as the days go by. Right. So it escalates from starting fires in the home and trying to drop things on people to killing animals. Ooh. I know. So that's the thing. It gets a taste for blood now. It starts to kill the pigs, the chickens, the horses. They start just dropping dead. The oxen just start dropping dead while hooked up to the plows out in the fields. Ah. Just animals are dying for no reason. And obviously the family are not happy because 
you know, like, there goes their livelihood. But at the same time, like, don't kill animals. That's mean. They didn't do right. anything to you. The fucking animals didn't know that the family was being on. You know what I mean? Yeah, the you know. of it all. It, yeah, oh, truly. So the thing is, with all of this afoot, the family is just kind of like, well, what else do we do? I guess we get the next guy who's going to offer us an exorcism to come do his thing. And it doesn't take that long for a guy named Robert Baker to show up. Now, Robert Baker is a teacher from Michigan. He was also really interested in all things paranormal and witchcraft. Sounds like my people. I know. Like, let's have a drink, Robert. Yeah. As friends. Well, of course. I'm not going to be that for you. Right. Anyway, so <laughs> he ends up showing up at the house and then throwing his hat in the ring in the form of nailing a horseshoe above their front doorway. Okay. Which, rookie move, brah. Yeah. That, yeah. It, it's a haunted house where objects are flying. Now you're just supplying the ghost with another heavy object to throw at people. I know, right? Do you like that? It's just a bra there. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So mask of me. Yeah, it was very mask. Oof, I don't even know myself. The thing is, he nails the horseshoe above the doorway like a toy total first grader mm -hmm. and then he invokes the holy trinity so he's sitting there he's praying to trinity k bonet and just hoping that yeah. things work out the thing is things don't ultimately end up working out because robert baker gets to go home to his nice warm bed yep. and the family is stuck there and let's just say the ghosts weren't too happy with another exorcism mm -hmm. so the robert baker of it all is over the family remains haunted but Robert then ends up getting some bad luck of his own. So he ends up getting charged with performing witchcraft by local authorities. What? Yeah, and he gets sentenced to one year in prison and then is ultimately released through appeal on May 6th of 1830. So things ended up working out well for him, but I digress. Don't you just love a Canadian witchcraft trial? Yeah, I mm -hmm. never even realized that there were any notable ones. Well, they actually just had what I think is going to be the last witchcraft trial they actually just charged somebody for doing false witchcraft a little while ago what how, how it was in possible? ontario she was telling people that she was a psychic or a really powerful witch and swindling people and basically they took this woman to court and basically brought her up on a witchcraft charge wow yeah now you can definitely look it up it actually happened last fall around the time that the podcast was starting okay. and i never wanted to mention it at the time on the show because we were new right. and i was like if i mention this person's name and like you know something happens in court and charges are dropped i don't want to get libel no. thrown at me no but yeah basically uh it's a thing girl i gotta look this up i had no idea happy googling so let's get back to the mcdonald's yes. robert baker mania is over he gets to go home gets charged let off the hauntings are only getting worse right and more violent guns started randomly going off in the home with no firer in sight and the fucking ghost started picking on the family's baby oh no mm -hmm. just baby. i know it's like he killed all the animals and then the ghost is like well what's the most offensive thing after the animals that i can come for there you go you yeah. got it so basically here's the situation one night the family's in the farmhouse they're doing their thing like in the living room main space whatever mm -hmm. regardless the baby is in its crib sleeping or at least that's the idea all of a sudden the baby starts crying now there's you know the regular threshold of baby crying where you're like okay it's healthy they're waking up you know i'm gonna go to it in a moment but you know maybe i have a second right 
This wasn't just regular baby crying, though. It very quickly just started ramping up. It was a terrified baby. And by the time that they got into the nursery, they discovered that the baby was in its crib, wailing, crying, because he was being rocked back and forth by an unseen hand. Ah. Mm -hmm, Very violently. So violently, in fact, that it supposedly took two men in the family to actually steady the crib so that John McDonald's wife could retrieve the baby from the crib. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that's really not cute. But what makes it even less cute, just in general, the fact that the fires start happening with even more consistency, Mm -hmm. as if they don't have enough things to juggle. Right. Mm -hmm. And... You know, like, how could we forget about the fires? These are kind of underpinning the whole thing. They're part of the landscape. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fires are happening more than ever. This is a lot to keep up with, as illustrated by the fact that the farmhouse ultimately ended up burning down. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Bunch of barn burners. Exactly. So this was in 1831. It burned completely to the ground. And from what I can find, nobody was hurt. They all got out unscathed, relatively. At least they got out with their lives. Mm-hmm. But this just was not cute. Now, I will say, I have a witness account of the fire. Okay. This is, again, from windsorscottish.ca. Thank you, babies. Uh, It was a person named Lachlan McDougall, who had said... Quote, I was going up the river in a boat that morning in company with James Johnson Sr. and William Fisher. When we were opposite of the McDonald's place, we perceived that John's house was on fire, but as we were some distance from it, we saw that it would be gone before we could reach it. The family were at breakfast yet and had not discovered the danger. Mr. Dan McDonald's house was nearer to us, and as they saw the fire, they hailed us down to ask us to assist them to carry out their furniture as they expected their own habitation would soon be in flames. We landed and helped them carry out everything. In the meantime, John's house and barn were reduced to ashes together with all they contained, the family barely escaping with their lives. John came to us without his coat, saying that the clothes he had on were all they had saved, end quote. Shit, so left with nothing. Exactly, reduced to ashes. Now, Thankfully, the family is able to stay with a family member for a while. I think it was John's brother-in-law, so his wife's brother. Now, they also had a lot of things to be thankful for because their community ended up kind of coming together around them and helping them replace some of the things that they lost in their fire and all that kind of stuff. But after the dust had kind of settled and they were able to kind of get their affairs in order, the family did start rebuilding on the property. So... This could be a nice new fresh beginning. Mm -hmm. The problem is this new beginning doesn't last for long. Basically, soon after moving in with that family member, they ended up having to move back out because they also happened to bring their random fires around with them. Ooh, so we've got a case that maybe the house wasn't haunted. Maybe the people are haunted. Maybe their children are all fire starters. They're they're pyromaniacs, yeah. Yeah. Is one of them named Drew Barrymore? If one of them is named Drew Barrymore, then that's absolutely what's happening. Happening. Funny enough, this is the story of Drew Barrymore's childhood. I yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, she's also a time bender. How I mean, funny. This sounds a little tame for Drew Barrymore's childhood. Yeah, but I've fair heard. enough. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know what we're talking about. That is a Wikipedia black hole to fall into. Uh-huh. Yeah. But you know what? She came out on the other side and we've always been rooting for her. We like her. We do. Yeah. We like everyone. Now, 
let's move past from that. We don't. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we, we, we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Okay, so basically, they're rebuilding on the property. They're you know in with the family member, but this is not good because the fires start back up and they got to hit the road again. Uh-huh. So their little ghosty pal seems to follow them as well. They end up having to take shelter under a makeshift tent that they had made from old boat sails that they had gathered from the community. And this was all kind of well and good until the winter hit. Of course. Now, at this point, the family ended up having to move back to their now completed log cabin on the original property. Mm -hmm. But once back in the home, John trying to be a top in the situation and, you know, trying to top the ghost, goes into full swing trying to find somebody of faith to come and help their situation. Right. Now, this didn't work out so well in the past. So let's just see how this goes. So enter the revolving door of priests, missionaries, local First Nations elders. You know, basically he was just trying to grasp at straws and find anybody who would come in and potentially rid the home of these spirits that were bothering them. Right. Problem is, he's not able to find anybody that can do anything that would solve their problem. Now, enter the new girl in town, 15-year-old Dinah and her dad, Dr. J.F. Troiner. Ooh, Dinah Troiner. Here she comes. Better watch out. She's 15 years old. She's just out of finishing school. Yeah. She's got opinions, and she loves boy bands. Yeah, well, Dinah's the new psychic debutante on the scene, so get into this. The two of them, the father and daughter, ended up traveling around and exploiting Dinah's gift of second sight, clairvoyance, Mm -hmm. for profit, and it kind of worked for them. So basically, John ended up traveling to see them after hearing about them from people in the community. It ended up taking him two days, but he traveled out with Reverend McDormand, who we may remember from the first piss-off exorcism. Right. He's the OG. Now, John ends up getting out there after the two-day journey, meets with Dinah, along with Reverend McDormand. He corroborates everything. Mm -hmm. And then John kind of sits down with Dinah privately and explains all of the situation. Dinah, this 15-year-old who's probably feeling real mature in this moment, is like, oh, yeah, totally. I understand. Thank you. And, you know, feeling real powerful. She's like, I need to step back to my quarters. So she gets all this info from John, steps back into her room, and gazes into her moonstone for a while. Ooh. You know what? If I was a 15-year-old that everybody was treating like Damien from The Omen, I might also take some time to stare into a crystal that I love. Why not? I mean, Mm -hmm. it just sounds nice. You can afford this time, Dinah. You boss baby, you take it. Yeah. So she comes back three hours later. Oh, damn. It's she a was really standing Beautiful that, so. stone, yeah. Right. So totally. many curves and swerves. Yeah. And then this 15-year-old sits this grown-ass adult down and basically is like, hey, I know everything that's happening in your life. Someone is trying to fuck with you. Ooh. Great insight. Uh-huh. So basically, she also then breaks it down and says, honey, this is not as otherworldly as you may think. So remember early on in the story when I was talking about how John's piece of land was one hot piece of land ass? Oh, yeah. And a lot of other people in the neighborhood wanted to break off a piece of that hot land ass. Uh-huh, but he was Yeah, well, Miss Buchanan, remember her? Yeah. Yeah, well, Mrs. Buchanan wanted to ride that pony, and unfortunately she couldn't. Right. And of course, 
according to Dinah, she was taking all of that unrequited land lusting and channeling it in a very witchy way to torment John McDonald and his entire family. Oh. So, yeah. So basically Dinah's like, hey, John, another question for you now. Do you randomly see a goose wandering around your property like a stray goose? And John kind of takes a moment and is like, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I've been seeing a kind of odd black goose hanging around the flock Mm -hmm. on the property every now and then so yeah you're right kid and Dinah's like yeah baby so you shoot that goose with a silver bullet and it will solve every single one of your problems and then she told him that once he did that he would also notice that Mrs. Buchanan would end up similarly wounded and that everything would stop all the ghost bullshit turned down to a zero shut off the computer walk away abandon the apartment move on with your life right Mm mm-hmm so you got to know him alone, that goose, and push it down those stairs. Exactly. You're like, I've forgotten the last three years of my life, and I'm dying my hair tonight and starting a new life tomorrow. Right. Can't wait. 2020, people. Here we go. Yeah. Or in this case, 1831. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. They're like, 1831 is going to be my year. Or I guess it would have been 1832. Anyway, let's talk about John. So basically, John gets back home from his vacay with the Reverend, which sounds real hot. The following night after this meeting with Dinah, he gets home and he starts his plan into action. Right. He melts down some sterling silver that he just had kicking around the home. As one does. Yeah, well, all teeth. It's probably like someone's jewelry. Probably. You know, and, you know, or maybe it's a pair of dentures that was left to him in a will. Who knows? Anyway... He melts down the silver and ends up casting a bullet. He takes that bullet, he loads it into his rifle, and then, honey, it's Mm showtime. So, John McDonald goes outside with the rifle, holding the silver bullet, ready to shoot that devil bitch goose in its devil bitch wing. (laughs) Right. Now, he finds the goose, shoots that baby, and the goose screams, almost like a human in pain. Then... It retreats back into the dark and disappears into the night. Ooh, what a very, like, ethereal goose. Totally, an ethereal screaming goose. Now... John's just kind of standing there in shock of what he did, kind of like in a John Hughes movie when a nerd punches the jock that's been tormenting them and then takes that moment to, like, stare up at their fist and be like, oh, my God, I just did that, didn't I? Yeah, Holy just shit. kind of, like, amazed with himself. Yeah. Also somewhat terrified of themselves. Yeah, well, because that's the thing. It's like, oh, my God, I did that, didn't I? And then the next thought is always, oh, my God, is he about to get up and kick my ass? Uh-huh. So that's kind of where John is right now. He is relatively pleased with himself, though, because he's like, well, I had the follow through. Let's just see how this shakes down tomorrow when I wake up. Right. Now, John goes, has a little nap nap, Mm -hmm. wakes up in the next morning feeling real confident because there were no incidents throughout the night. He actually had a full night's sleep. Which is uncommon at this point. Especially on the McDonald property in Baldoon. Yeah, no, that just doesn't happen. So the next day when John wakes up, he gathers a few friends who, you know, have been kind of following this whole storyline and he ends up taking a walk by Miss Buchanan's long home to see what the tea was. Right. He walks past there. And she's sitting out on her porch, looking pissed, with her arm in a fucking sling. Oh, girl, she would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids. Yeah, so basically she's just sitting there mean-mugging the sky with a broken arm, Uh and John was feeling real pleased with himself and his new 15-year-old life coach, Dinah. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But... 
after this, like I was saying, there were no more problems with the land. There were no more problems in that house. And people stopped suddenly asking John if they could buy his land, I guess. Uh-huh. Yeah, he yeah. finally got that bit of solitude that he needed. Yeah, they are like, A, the land, probably nobody wanted it after all of these hauntings were going down. Exactly. And then B, they were just like, well, he's a badass shooting geese, so, like, let's not fuck with him. Oh, they're like, oh, my God, he might, like, witch shoot me, you mm-hmm. know? He might, like, shoot an animal, and then I'm the one getting the bullet. Right. Thanks, familiar. So this is the thing. This all gets wrapped up into a nice little package, and then the story ends up getting passed down throughout the years. It gets written down in some cases. And right. Then it's passed on orally, like all good things in life. Sorry, I took low-hanging fruit there. And then John's youngest son, Neil, ends of compiling 26 different interviews with people that lived in the community who all witnessed some of the paranormal goings on at the farmhouse Uh and he ends up putting out a book about I think 40 years after all of this went down yeah so in 1871 so it started out as a series of interviews that he had been doing for a local paper in Wallaceburg Ontario but then it soon was just you know really speaking to him and it was like oh man my writing is telling me that this just needs to be a book so he put puts it out and the thing is people have had some opinions about this book sure because while the former site of the farmhouse has been a tourist attraction for years and all that kind of good stuff some people have some questions about the validity of all of this stuff so there's a blog called skeptoid that actually had some really interesting insight on the whole validity question in this whole case uh-huh. namely the fact that there's not much official documentation pre-existing neil mcdonald's book that was published in a 1871. Right. There was one account written by somebody named Peter Jones who had been visiting the home thinking that the culprit of this whole haunting was forest fairies. And that was published in Peter Jones's book from 1861, History of the Ojibwe. But the T is that basically that account was super flimsy. There were inconsistencies with the people mentioned in the book. Like, the, the, just the facts weren't there. Mm-hmm. And if you were to read it, Skeptoid, the blog, is saying that, you know, it just... It, it doesn't really add up and it's not really worth much more than a footnote in this whole story. Right. Now, ultimately, that's that. This is very murky. We don't know exactly how this was. Maybe this person actually wanted his land. Maybe people from the community were trying to fuck with him and burn down his farmhouse. Like, you don't know these things. Yeah. Like, hell hath no fury like a neighbor that wants your land. That's it. Like, have we seen cruel attentions? People can do terrible things. Yeah, but that's kind of the thing. There's a lot of ambiguity surrounding this, but it's a paranormal normal stories so at the end of the day there's supposed to be ambiguity of course i mean are they real are they not are we real are we not we don't even know that are you even really listening to us right now like really listening are you really listening or are you not listening yeah we're about to fall down just a vortex of insecurity now (laughs) yeah yeah so (laughs) thanks peace and blessings go to my beautiful baby sources windsorscottish.ca they have a great page called the baldoon mystery it's an unknown author unknown date but baby they got facts and they got sources that they cite Love so it. i believe it there's also a book written by neil mcdonald in 1871 called the baldoon mystery an intriguing story of witchcraft near wallaceburg ontario which is where i got all those quotes from mm-hmm. thank you also to torontoghosts.org they have an article called chatham kent the baldoon mystery written by sue demeter sinclair and skeptoid.com's article by brian dunning about the baldoon mystery they had some really good critique on there I love it. Yeah. So that is the story of the Baldoon mystery. And uh, yeah, 
don't ask me any more questions about it because I will just refuse to answer. <laughs> I missed my chance. No, it's all good. You can ask me anything you want. I'm actually wondering if this building or this property is like still available. Like, can you go visit it? I don't know. Maybe I'll just say yes or no, and then somebody can correct me next week. Okay. Yes, it is still available. In fact, it's up in its original form. <laughs> oh, Actually, wow. no. I, okay, I'm being facetious. Uh -huh. But there are recreations of the McDonald home in, like, local museums and stuff like that. Right. So a part of it does live on today. Right. Yeah. Just maybe not as it was, not yeah. in its original form. You know what? Just, like, go to southwestern Ontario. Uh -huh. Just, like, visit for once, you know? Right. Yeah, go see Iran. She misses you. She misses you. She makes your cookies and you never come visit and the cookies get stale. Yeah, she's been brushing out that wig for the last two weeks in anticipation of your visit, and you're going to cancel on her in the last minute? How dare you? And have you ever tried brushing a straw wig not easy not easy at all all right so i guess now that we have reprimanded the audience and told our stories and yeah. done spooky gay bullshit uh -huh. there's only a few more places left for us to go right welcome to question town then i have questions for you uh -huh. i'm the mayor yeah okay as mayor of question town i want to know what have you learned today right well as the secretary of question town oh treasurer do you want Maybe to be I'm the both. administrative assistant of Question Town? I feel like that's less problematic of a title. I'll be that. Yeah, you'd be like the Dolly Parton in the 9 to 5 situation. Oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, see? Oh, yes. my God. And then on Administrative Assistance Day, I can give you a really nice gift, like a, one of those mugs with the chalkboard bit on the outside so you can write your own little I Hate Mondays message on there. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this week I've learned... Don't trust birds. Don't. No, after this and then the Bruja of Rubio... Yeah, totally. Right? I'm never going to trust a big black bird ever again. Uh-uh. Nuh-uh. Unless you're a stork holding a baby in your mouth, and even we know that's bullshit. So, right? yeah, no. No birds. And if it's a black stork, it's probably the devil baby. So, don't take it. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out for the devil. That's the other lesson just tucked away in there, you know? Exactly. Subliminal. So, Johnny, what have you learned this week? Well, I mean, I've learned a lot of things this week, actually. I think one of the most vibrant of them, though, would be... Tell everyone they're beautiful. If somebody asks you that question, obviously they need to hear something in that moment. Right. Unless, you know, they're like asking you for tried and true fashion advice and you two are on the level. Mm -hmm. Because, Alti, if you don't know somebody, don't go critiquing their outfit or no. even commenting on it. Like, nobody wants to be like, oh, yellow buttons today, Bernice. Like, fuck off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> nobody needs to hear your input on everything. But aside from that, yeah, just, you know, be kind. Yeah. Be Rewind. Nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah, listen to Christina Aguilera's Beautiful Every Day. Yeah, or TLC's Unpretty, you know? However you want to get there, just get there. <laughs> yeah, all right. So now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about reviews. Okay, we're going to Review Town. We are, and I just happen to be the town crier of Review Town today. Lovely. Yeah, aren't we all lucky? Yeah. So I'm going to be reading one from Samantha Patterson from Apple Podcasts Canada because you know what we're recording this it, we're just finishing up now after midnight it's officially Christmas it's officially Christmas and Samantha's like family to us she really is yeah we she's know she's our goodest Judy yeah one of the absolute best they wrote never enough love with a heart emoji and it's a red heart so you know they mean it yeah all hearts mean they mean it fuck it I use blue hearts all the time right is there a connotation to that we use it a lot like uh, for the podcast I don't know I mean I play with all the colored hearts yeah you know what what 
what what color moment I'm feeling. Well, aren't you beautiful? Yeah. All right, so she gives us five stars, and she says, I miss the two of you so much. When I'm feeling Johnny and Tyler sick, throwing on an episode feels like we are back in the apartment, hanging out again. Yeah, because we all used to live together. Yeah. And actually, Tyler and Sam lived together way longer. I was just the addition at the last minute for uh-huh. the last year, but we still had a good time. It was a three- We did. Unit. I didn't want to say three summer, uh, three way. That did not happen. No. No, we did No, friends only. So, <laughs> I laugh out loud right along with you guys I always read comments saying it is like they're there with their two gay best friends and that really hits home for me love listening to the interesting stories you guys choose and the energy you guys share is contagious keep up the amazing work big hugs and kissy kisses and then there's a kissy emoji aww kissy mm-hmm. kisses yeah aww, that just warms my heart thanks Sam kissy Christmas we miss you. we miss you too we missy kissy your kissy kissy missy kissy your <laughs> yeah. kissy Kiss, missy missy yeah okay yeah. so yeah if you want to be just like Samantha and live with us <laughs> yeah. you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast app you're listening to us on uh-huh. you can hop on there you can leave us a five star rating and a cute little comment and there's a really good chance that we will read it on air slash we totally fucking will yeah and it really helps us get the word out about the podcast it helps us in the computer you know what I mean we're looking for that deus ex machina come on down and sweep us out of this hellhole and yeah. bring us up to the light. Yes. So do it and leave us a review and you'll help us get to heaven. Uh-huh. All right, so, yeah. <laughs> now, you can also support the show another way. Guess how? You can join the secret society that doesn't suck, little child. Yes. You can go on over to patreon.com slash that's spooky. That's T-H-A-T-S-S-P-O-O-K-Y and you can join at any tier. You'll get access to many episodes and then depending on what tier you sign up at, you get access to really cool shit too plus you help us keep the lights on plus you help us get that much closer to our dream of living off of our creative work mm-hmm. wouldn't it be nice to have more time to do this you know that song and dance yes help to Canadian homosexuals this Christmas right. please consider joining yeah. the secret society that doesn't suck and if we could afford it we'd buy the rights to a Sarah McLaughlin song right now and we'd lay that under it so you know you could help make that happen too completely mm-hmm. and help yourself at the same time because yeah. it's good for the soul yeah there are at least 18 mini episodes out there for you to consume and put in your butt. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of consuming, but maybe not putting anything in your butt, follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. and Twitter. We're at That's Spooky Pod. Yeah, that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah, valid point. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off there, but true, no hole picks, please. That's T-H-A-T-S-S-P-O-O-K-Y-P-O-D, which is exactly how we spell it in our email, where you also can't send hole picks. <laughs> no. But you can send us an email at thatspookypod at gmail.com. You can tell us about freaky shit that has happened in your hometown, and we just might read it on an episode in the future. Or you could just send us stuff about murder ballads, about secret societies that don't suck, or maybe just some cute pet photos. Did you ever think about that? Mm-hmm. Did you put a Christmas sweater or a Hanukkah hat on your dog this year? Oh, my God. Or your cat or your bearded dragon? We want to see. We do. But not your tarantula, respectfully. Thank you. No spiders. (laughs) 
I'm okay with spiders. You can send them to my personal Instagram. Yeah, by all means. And with all that said, if you just can't get enough, you can go to our website, thatspooky.com. You can listen to episodes there. You can get show notes there. You can email us from there. You can access our store from there. It's real cute. Or you can just go to thatspooky.com slash store and get your spooky bitch enamel pin today. Or if you're listening to this way in the future, maybe there's other merch on there for you to get right now. Maybe we brought back the spooky bitch shirts. Who knows? 2020 is going to be a wild year. Trump's impeached and we're getting leeched. I'm going to start doing leech therapy and putting leeches on my body to try to be beautiful. Oh, that sounds awful. I had to commit to it. I didn't know where to go with it. I couldn't right. know what to rhyme with impeach. Sorry, I didn't have fucking rhyme zone open up on my computer. Right. Yeah. Rookie so, move. Yeah, I love how I just called my phone my computer. All right, let's just say it then. Thank you so much for listening to us, everyone. We really appreciate it, and we really love having you here. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you're real cute. In fact, we should make a holiday about you. Yeah, why don't we celebrate you on yeah. December 25th? Totally. Year? Yeah, you know what? Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, baby Gigi's had their moment. They uh-huh. stole it from St. Nick. You're next in line, baby, because you're just that fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so we love you very much. Kissy kisses. Kissy kisses. Kissy Christmas. Oh, yeah, kissy kiss. Kissy Christmas. Kissy kiss. Just kiss, 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 kiss. All those things. Yeah, everything. <laughs> Just a kissy tornado. Yeah. All right, so if you're going to be a bitch. Be a spooky bitch. And floss your fucking teeth. Bye. <laughs> hey, Prime members. You can listen to That Spooky early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. The wait is over. So far, you're not losing. The only thing you're losing is my patience. Quickly, I see that. Bing! The queen of the courtroom is back. I didn't do anything. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and slapped you in the face. I see he's not intimidated by anything. I can fix that. New cases. She wanted to fight me. Leave her alone. Okay, so, um... Not, this is not a so. This is a period. Classic Judy. Did you sleep with her? Yes, Your Honor. You married his cousin. His brother. That's not him. Yes, ma'am. I would make a beeline for the door. Emmy Award-winning series returns. How did I know that? I have crystal ball in my head. It's an all-new season. It's streaming. You can say anything. (laughs) Judy Justice. Only on Freebie.